Welcome, everyone, to the Untitled Nick Cage Show. Uh, we are starting a little bit of a vampire uh, arc. Era. Of <laughs> We're era. in our vampire era. <laughs> I, I don't think we'll have any sparkles. Mm-hmm. But who's to say? Here we go again. Here we go again. It's already starting. <laughs> it is a vampire movie, and the running theme for like four episodes of content on the Zombie Girls Network has been a little bit of harassing. But that will mm-hmm. that'll be the only tease, I think. Patrons stick around to the end. This was a movie I'd never seen before. I had seen the memes. Of course. And I think you were in a similar boat, right? Correct. I'd never seen this one. I did not even know that Jennifer Beals was in it. So when the credits started, I was like, what? I love this and Jennifer Beals. So we were in the exact same boat then for this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's what's coming up your way. Uh, But Rachel, anything new, exciting you want to share? Um, I mean, I know what you're alluding to, but I'm like terrified to talk about it because I'm afraid I'm gonna jinx it. <laughs> yeah, Although, other stuff. Okay, what well, what else is going on with me? I mean, aside from I had a life changing experience this weekend hanging out with you, but we'll get into that in the extended episode. Um, what am I forgetting? Well, at the end of the month, before I talk to you next, you'll have gone to Roswell. That is true. That is true. We are all booked. I'm going to go to Santa Fe, to Albuquerque, and to Roswell, all three places I have never been before. Um, I'm really, really excited about Santa Fe because we're going to get to go to the Meow Wolf exhibit. And I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. So there are three locations. I've been to the one in Las Vegas, but I have not been to the one in Santa Fe yet, obviously, or the third one, which I can't quite remember where it is. But there are these interactive, creepy art exhibits, sort of like lightweight Lovecraftian uh, um, art exhibits. So the one in Vegas I went to was called Omega Mart. I probably okay. told you about it. Where on the front, it looks like a grocery store and you go in, but all of the products are kind of like twisted and weird. And like, there's this sort of cheery, sinister vibe to the place. Like the meat okay. department is really upsetting and the fruit is all sort of you, gnarled and twisted. About this. Oh my God. Will when someday when I get you to go to Vegas with me, we'll go because I didn't give myself enough time. Like, like I actually needed hours, and I would think I only had like a couple. So that's the front, and then you continue to explore and discover like a whole. There's a whole storyline. There is that's so cool. It is you. There's a part where you can go through file cabinets and find secret lockers to other rooms, and like it is what it's unlike anything I've ever experienced before. But the original location, which is like, it's like some sort of house. Um, That one is in Santa Fe. So we're going to do that. We're going to, I booked us a room that is a former brothel turned hotel slash brewery. Which I'm really excited to attend. And then obviously Roswell. We're going to do all the like alien stuff. We only have like one day there because there isn't actually that much to do in Roswell. But we'll go to like a couple of the like UFO museums and we'll see what we can see. And yeah. just kind of like be nerds. How about you? What have you been up to? What's new uh, with you? So for me, it's been kind of like boring, mainly because my wife is a CPA and she has been <laughs> oh, busy buddy. like crazy. Uh, she's been working like 12 to 13 hours a day and she's going into oh, the day. final stretch. But yesterday I did book our our first big thing post-tax season. There is an oddities and curiosity expo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought you were going to tell me you booked your flights. <laughs> no, I was actually hoping, because she's not home yet, but I was, actually, since we were recording a little bit earlier tonight, I was going to see if we could do that tonight. 
Yeah, buddy. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, she's really into that. Like, I think I posted in the Zombie Girls Discord, which is really fun if you guys aren't a part of it. But uh, yeah. we, for her birthday, I took her to this like oddity shop in like Southern Ohio. Yeah. And she got a bunch of like really creepy stuff. Yeah. So she really yeah. digs it. So we're going to go spend the whole day there. Um, that's like the biggest thing. Uh, we'll talk about wrestling. And so we didn't watch together on Sunday. And there's a lot that happened between Sunday and where we are at right now. From when, when we watched Saturday to now, like where I'm at with everything, I'm like kind of done. What? Teaser for later on. Oh, yeah. That is shocking because the person that I met on on Saturday Eve was pretty <laughs> hardcore. Yeah. So that's inter- that's a tease for me, yeah. let alone for the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but but that's pretty much it. Um, again, like it's just been kind of like reading, hanging out, just trying. Like I've been trying to do more. Like I'm like trying to do like the laundry because like usually we split chores, but like I've been doing that to try to keep up with it and like doing like all the meal prep. Cause it sucks, man. She's like, so I'm ex- I'm excited and know she is too for it to be done. I bet. I would imagine that's got to be super exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And lonely. A little bit lonely. Well, I'm glad you're getting your bestie back very soon. Yeah, exactly. So that's all I really have for me. It's kind of short on that end. But I have one thing for Breaking Cage News. Do you have anything? I don't really have anything. There was a little piece that I saw where (laughs) Nick Cage talked about why fans slap him. Apparently, they think it's appropriate to do so because uh, that's something from the Moonstruck movie. I'm just going to put this out here. Do not slap Nicolas Cage. Do not slap any celebrities. Do not slap any other people. Like, the world would be a better place if we treated it like the, the world like a roller coaster where all your hands and legs, you just keep them to yourself. Keep them in the car. That's all I'm going to say. That's my was, one breaking cage news. I haven't seen Moonstruck. Have you? Oh, yes. Many times. Okay. So I'm not even sure what that's referring to. So I guess we'll we'll see when we get there. Oh, it's iconic. How do you not know about yeah. Snap Out of it? It's freaking Cher, man. Well, oh, I know I'm... Cher's in it, but I, I don't know Oh, I'm so that. As a romantico, I'm curious <laughs> to see what you're going to think of of. One of the most romantic movies that I think he's been in. Like, this is like... His... Oh, okay. More it's than a City love of story. Ugh, that's one I have not seen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have one small okay. article. Because basically, I just kind of Googled his name. name. Like, the uh-huh. week of recording. See what pops up. And there and always is something. <laughs> there's always something. So over on Screen Rant, uh, they were talking to Cage. And... Yeah. There is one other universal monster he would like to play. Do you want to guess? Is it the creature from the Black Lagoon? The Gill Man? No, Devin would be excited, but but unfortunately, no. Okay, is it... Okay, so which ones are there? There's the Mummy. Yep. There's the Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, here's the thing. is, On one hand, I think he would probably enjoy the sort of pathos of the Invisible Man. But he's such a physical actor. Probably not that one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing Dracula. Mm-hmm. He said not the Gill Man. Who am I forgetting? You were forgetting the other half of Twilight. He would like to play the Wolfman. Oh, no. Why? <laughs> not not him. You. Why? 
<laughs> uh, he has a quote where he said, I kind of did it with Ghost Rider, but I think the Wolfman, yeah, the Wolfman is the scariest, and I think just powerfully tragic. But I think it's been done many times. I don't think we're making Wolfman movies anymore. But for what I would like to explore, that would work for me. You say wolf like my mom does. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> say golf. Gall? Golf. Golf. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Wolfman. That's so cute. <laughs> well, okay. I would totally get into that. I feel like his, like I said, for the reason he would not be good at the Invisible Man is it has all the pathos of the Invisible Man, but also a really physical aspect to it. Like, I think his wolf, his Wolfman transformation would be amazing. Yeah. I... I... I have never really been big into werewolves. Like I don't know, I don't know what it is. Like I watched the original Wolfman. I didn't watch the new one with Anthony yeah. Hopkins. Uh-huh. I I watched Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox, but that's because yeah. I like Michael J. Fox. Yeah, that's that's a whole different animal though. Yeah, but like even in like True Blood before that derailed into craziness, I didn't oh, yeah. the, the wolf Sorry. things. Yeah. Uh, from how high like... that show flew. <laughs> did you like um uh, werewolf in London or in the Company of Wolves? Although well, I don't, the I don't of Wolves know what movie. I don't know what in the Company of Wolves is. Okay, I've never seen it. Has Angela Lansbury in it? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a very feminist telling of the Big Bad Wolf. Oh, it has okay. to do with like a lot to do with like sexual maturity, things of that nature. Okay. I think you might be into it. I mean, you read that book. You know, like it feels like it's in your Venn diagram of interests. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, that's all I have. Are you ready to talk about this movie? How was your weekend? It's all right. You know, there's nothing worth shattering. He was an ordinary guy. Morning, everyone. Morning. Looking for an extraordinary love. I'm Peter Lev. Rachel. I brought this girl up to my place the other night. It started with a kiss. Really hot. A very special kiss. You wanted her very badly. Yeah. A kiss that could drive you mad. I hate interrupted love affairs, don't you? Yep, 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 yep. It's affecting his work. Hell yeah, let's there get into this bad boy. Tell me about this movie. You got the background on this. I want to hear everything about it because it is such an enigma of a film that I know there has to be a story. So the first thing that I want to say, because I always do my background after I watch, right? Because I don't want to like anything right. ruin. Right. I thought this movie was something that it was not. Oh, what do you think it was going to be? A comedy. It kind of is. You don't think it is? More lighthearted. Oh, yeah. No, it's not that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to be very The thing black. is, pitch black comedy, for sure. Pitch black. And, mm-hmm. okay. So, it came out in 1988 and is classified as a black horror comedy. It is directed by Robert Bierman and written by Joseph Minion. Uh-huh. So, for Bierman, most of his other work isn't too memorable. But while researching, I found out something interesting, especially because I know you. According to an article from SlashFilm.com, Bierman was the original director for the Fly remake. Really? Yeah, Cronenberg was the first choice, but unavailable because he was working on Total Recall. So Bierman was selected. However, early in pre-production, 
Beerman's daughter tragically died in a car accident. Oh no. Due to being um due to his immense grief, he was unable to continue on and the studio let him out of the directing responsibility, which I actually thought was really nice mm-hmm. for them to do that. Yeah. Um by chance, uh it was learned that Cronenberg was no longer attached to Total Recall, and then asked him. Damn! <laughs> After seeing that, now that would have been wildly insane. different. Wildly, been... like the, there would be insane. no camp. It would be so straightforward and probably super grotesque. That part of it is interesting, but I would I, miss the camp. I think it would have been. It would have been. I would be more interested to watch that than the Total Recall remake. Because I have no interest in that. Oh, yeah, correct. That's correct. Yeah. Nope. But like Cronenberg like, taking You've never that... said anything more correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Cronenberg agreed on the condition that he could rewrite the script and rewrite the blueprint of the finished film. So Total Recall would eventually see the light of day in 1990. Uh, it was directed by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, and we talked about it on here because it was one of the four centuries from Rachel. So I thought that was kind of... <laughs> yes, you know, yes. Circle. Yep, yep. One of my... Non-trolly forced entries. <clears throat> Besides Mr. Cage, uh, the film stars Maria Conchita Alondo, Jennifer Beals, and Elizabeth Ashley. Uh, so what There's I saw... also someone else very much of note in this. I don't know Ooh. if you're familiar with her, but Casey Lemons is the original love interest in this. And she has gone on to become an amazing director, um, pro- mo- probably most famous for directing Eve's Bayou, which is this amazing Southern Gothic film oh. starring um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and it's, 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 we covered it really? on more deadly. Yes. Okay. Yes. She is an, she was also the best friend in, uh, one of my all time, like top three movies of all time sounds of the lambs. She's a, uh, Holy like, shit. Yes. yes. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> You're right. Yes. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. I like, when I tell you, I screamed when she like stepped on screen. I was like, Oh my God, Casey Levitz. <laughs> I had that reaction, but it was for Maria. Oh, okay. What is the thing you most associate with Maria Conchita Alonso that, that you love? Predator 2. That's right. She is in Predator 2. Holy I shit. Had, yeah, I literally had to pause it and like, who is that? And I knew it was Predator. I was like, but I don't think it's the first one. And it was, it's her from that. This is She plays majorly different characters between that film and this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's so young in this. She's a mm-hmm. baby in this. And all uh, her, I found like, out. Dresses. Yeah, I found out that she's actually a Grammy-nominated singer. Mm-hmm. And she is the first Latin American actress not born in the U.S. to star in a Broadway musical. She starred in Kiss of the Spider-Woman in 1995. Oh, that's right. She was in Kiss of the Spider-Woman. That is a sad but beautiful movie if you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. 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 So Jennifer Beals, I think everyone recognizes her from Flashdance, for which she and the L word. Hello, that's how I talked to her. (laughs) Oh, I was going to put on later that other major roles that she had was Book of Eli, the L word, L word, Generation Q, Mm -hmm. and apparently she was in a Book of Boba Fett. Yes, and I, 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 one of the many reasons I was so butt sore about that that show was the total wasting of Jennifer Beals in it. She runs like the sort of local gaming, like bar underworld. Oh, kind of place. that's she's who she Twilight. was. Okay. Yes. And I was like, Oh, she's going to do something good. Oh, what? 
<laughs> Wait, what just happened when the thing happens? Although I, I shouldn't care about spoiling Book of Boba Fett. Look, uh, the ending of Book of Boba Fett was what was good about that. You mean the episodes that were just the man in like the beginning of season three of Mandalorian? Is that? Yes. that yep. Yeah, okay. All right. We are, we are in concurrent. Yes, that, that was it. And then Elizabeth Ashley uh, has been nominated for three Tonys. She won one for Take Her, She's Mine, and she was nominated for a Golden Globe for her role in The Carpetbaggers, and she has an Emmy nom for Evening Shade. Fun hmm. fact, she is one of the most featured guests on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, having been on 24 times. Oh, amazing. Well, she's great. I love her. <laughs> yeah. She's she's like one of the standouts in this for me. Like, I love the little reveal about her life. I love her voice. She's fantastic. This film was shot in a budget of $2 million, but it barely grossed $700,000 at the box office. Hmm. Is this one of those ones that got cult status later on? Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, yeah. The writer Joseph Minion says he wrote the film while he was dealing with depression. Oh, and that makes so, sense. So this, I'm kind of getting the vibe that we probably feel different about this movie, but when I started reading this, it made a lot of what I didn't like or what I saw in it make a little bit more sense. He says in an interview to The Ringer uh, that he wrote the script on vacation with then-girlfriend Barbara Zitwer, and mm -hmm. he says that his writing was a direct response to his toxic relationship with her. Mm. Minion had previously written After Hours, a film that was directed by Martin Scorsese. Minion was going to direct the, this film, but stated that the darkness of it was too much for him to bear. Okay. Fair, fair. Cage actually dropped out of the film when Minion gave up directing uh, and the duty went to Beerman. His agent advised Cage, this is not the movie to make after Moonstruck. Direct quote. <laughs> oh, is this, was this right after Moonstruck? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That is <laughs> very surprising as you will come to find when we get there because when I tell you he is doing very different things with his his style of acting um like that's probably one of his most straightforward roles okay so that he probably needed this to exercise everything he had to like hold in to be like more reserved in in moonstruck the role of peter lowe was originally given to dennis quaid dennis quaid <laughs> yeah. really and after you concerned confused with randy quaid who has broken my heart and is a giant piece of shit. Although, like, probably would have been a better fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then it passed on the cage after the farmer dropped out to do the film Inner Space. Mm-hmm. Cage and Beals. That's wild. Inner Space, a favorite, an all-time favorite as well. Like, that's really? like a, child, a childhood favorite. Have you seen it? No. Oh, my God. It's so silly. But do you know what it's about or who's in it? No. Mm -mm. So he is able to be shrunk down teeny tiny and he accidentally gets injected into Martin Short. <laughs> and so like it's tons of like Martin Short um, physical comedy. <laughs> okay. Or he's like inside like yeah it's ridiculous but I just watched it again like a few years ago and that shit holds up. <laughs> it sounds like it'd be fun to watch. It is very fun and very 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 silly okay okay well that's actually okay that's cool um cajun beals reportedly did not get along on set with their friction mostly mm -hmm. stemming from the part of rachel going to beals 
rather than Cage's preferred choice, his then-girlfriend, Patricia Arquette. Ooh, drama. I'm trying to picture Patricia Arquette, though, as like a seductor. Like a, Jennifer Beals is perfectly cast. Yeah, I actually, yeah. I'm sorry, you know. Yeah. I like Patricia Cage, Arquette. I love Patricia Arquette, but she's like perfect as Alabama Whirly. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I see her as the vampire seductress type. Yeah, I have a lot of issues with this movie, but Jennifer Beals is by far what I like the most about it. Interesting. Okay. Going purposely against the method acting technique, Cage took, quote, a highly surrealistic approach to Lowe. Apart Uh from his, quote, pseudo-Transylvanian dialect, scenes of Cage screaming the alphabet, eating cockroaches, and ranting, I'm a vampire... Shocked both viewers and critics alike. <laughs> the original script called for Lowe to eat a raw egg, but Cage decided a cockroach would be more effective, claiming it would, quote, shock the audience. Yeah, I had to look away. I couldn't watch it. Yeah, this shock was further extended to a couple of real homeless people who Cage ran into the streets of Manhattan as he pleaded with them to drive a stake through his heart as Beerman and crew shot from far away. Yeah. That okay, so it's sort of like gonzo filmmaking. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. I could buy that. Physicality played a certain role in the creation of this character for Cage, who in several terrifying scenes sought to see, quote, how big he could get his eyes. Yeah, and the answer is quite big, quite large. <laughs> this was then furthered with scenes of Cage jumping on tables, sprinting across the office, and many frantic hand gestures, which he claims were extremely choreographed. I buy it. Yeah. I could see Knowing what that. we know about him and like where his trajectory went, mm-hmm. it's not surprising at all. Yeah. I mean, is this the earliest example of like the madness of Cage version of Cage? I think for our show. Like looking at I mean, the movies. definitely for our show. Well, not for our show because we did do that one Japanese film. I, I mean, like chronologically. Oh yes, 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 yes. Because we have Valley Girl, Racing with the Moon, Cotton Club, Birdie, Boy I mean, in this, Blue. There are allusions to Cotton Club in this because he is doing an accent. <laughs> yeah. I am of two minds about this accent, though. Would you do an elevator pitch, just a quick rundown of what sure. this plot was? Sure. Okay. So Peter Lowe is a he works in, he's a literary agent working in New York, and by night he's a little bit of a womanizer. He's very focused on his desire to meet a partner that he can really have a real connection with. But the minute he has sex with people, he kind of loses interest. Uh, one night he brings a lady friend home, and their uh, union is interrupted by a bat who flies around and it causes this surprising experience of arousal for him as he later tells Mm -hmm. his therapist. After this, um, he kind of, uh, you know, he dates her briefly, does not treat her really well, um, goes back out on the hunt and meets someone else. In this case, it's Jennifer Beals. They go back to the house and she, in the middle of their little, their liaison, she bites him and proceeds to feed on him. As the film goes on, he continues to meet with her. She continues to do this as his mental like, health begins to deteriorate more and more. 
during this, he begins taking out his anger and whatever transformation is occurring to him, uh, occurring to him, occurring around him. I don't know. What is the article I'm missing here? Occurring. In his mind. Yes. He yeah. begins taking it out on Alva, one of the secretaries at his work, forcing her to work late hours, verbally abusing her, eventually physically abusing her uh, as his mind continues to degrade further and further and further. Um I can get into the end, but that's roughly the yeah. the, the trajectory um, of it. And like every Hammer film, it kind of ends the same vampire film, a Hammer vampire film. It kind of ends the same way. Yeah. So I am guessing based on every hint you have dropped that this was not a movie that is going to be in your top cage uh, films. No, am this I? is, no. I didn't. Okay. I did not like this. Okay. I And I think the biggest reason why is how particularly Alva, but like how like every female character was treated. Yeah. And I yeah. think knowing that the screenwriter wrote it at a time where he was like angry at his partner. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you feel a lot of like, it didn't feel like dark comedy to me. It felt like misogynistic and i'm not sure mm. what that is about it because like i like vampire stuff like i literally if you put something with a vampire in front of me i will watch it or read it like it's not i'm aware <laughs> it is not hard for me to like get behind vampires and i was looking forward to this for a while because like i said you've seen the memes like renfield was coming like i was i was pumped to like to enjoy this and as I was watching, I just like hated it. I hated Cage. Like I mentioned, like Beale, we can talk about that later on. But I liked her character as like the the femme fatale vampire, or not vampire, depending upon it. But like I don't know, like Alva's character and just like how no one like did anything as like he was so blatantly terrible to her throughout the whole yeah. movie, leading up to like you said, like physical assault and everything that happened. And I, it was just. And I don't know if it's because of, like, I'm watching this in 2023 and not in the 80s. Not that it didn't exist then, but, like, we're a lot more aware of that. Or people should be more aware of that in a post-Me Too world. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, all that terrible shit happened and everyone just sat there and watched. And that, like, he chases her into the bathroom and the one lady just, like, walks out doesn't say anything. I don't know. Like, I... I had a really hard time buying into it and like, I didn't like Cage's performance. I just, I just, man, I just, I, I did not have a good time. Oh, buddy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Well, you, you didn't know. <laughs> we know yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So counterpoint, I actually liked this quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. This will be fun to place it. <laughs> I think this, no, I don't know if anybody's made this comparison. Maybe everybody, maybe this is not insightful at all and everybody says this. But I think this had a major influence on American Psycho. This is American Psycho with vampires. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and in the same way that American Psycho is certainly written from a misogynistic perspective. Mm-hmm. I think the execution and the way that it kicks down at that character makes it um, like so mocking of that character and makes that character so pitiful in some ways it kind of subverts that misogyny and flips that misogyny back 
so that the target is back at who it should be. Like, does he treat these women horribly? Yes. Do the systems around Alva not protect her because of the inherent misogyny of that era and of that particular culture. subculture? Yeah. Yes. But I don't know that the film, I the film is aware of that and I think is highly critical of that. And it doesn't just say like, this is bad. It says this is pathetic. And so like the politics of it for me were not a problem, even though I agree with you, it is without question rooted in deep misogyny as the writer himself essentially says, because he's yeah. in a toxic relationship. Um, and then I think what Cage does with it is so interesting. It's bizarre. It's um, uh, not like it, it's not traditional, except for that in a way it is because it's like very much he's doing a modern interpretation of the Nosferatu sort of physicality. Yes. Yeah. And like it is such a totally unselfconscious performance. He in this performance, I see his ability to choose the strangest option that you wouldn't even think was a possibility when he's making choices he's mm -hmm. making choices that are only he could make and i think that the movie at an hour and 40 minutes is too long and if anyone else was in it i would not have been compelled but yeah the constant question of what he's going to do next with his performance kept me engaged even with my short attention span so it is odd and challenging and bizarre but it is never not compelling so i ended up really enjoying my, like not enjoying myself is a weird word but i did end up really appreciating it for how strange it is like his physical performance when he's chasing alpha through the through the first and second time through the office yeah especially the first time where he does the turn when he realizes in the bathroom what he's doing mm -hmm. like I, everything about him it's like a different person inhabits his body and so i can't help but be compelled by that level of performance even if what he's doing is horrifying at least the movie knows it yeah i i think that is if there were to be a defense i think what you okay. just said is, is, is like the best <laughs> one and i i think the american psycho one is like a really because we reviewed that remember yeah. the movie yes oh yes i totally remember i still remember the day that like when you were shocked when matilda and i were like no we're terrified of of, of uh of him he's patrick bateman is like the scariest of scary and you were like what this dweeb and we were like yes this dweeb with all this power and no consequences <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and and i read that i remember when i read that book i i hated it like i felt dirty yeah. just reading it in public yeah and then the movie yeah and I don't know. Like, I think the scene in particular sticks out to me. And I think it was the scene where I kind of just like was done with mm -hmm. it or checked out mentally was when he went to her house when she was like sick because she was terrorizing her. Yeah. And he was like pretending to be nice. And that whole cab yeah. ride with the cab driver just sitting there like, I don't know. I just... I just felt so bad for Alva. I love yeah. Maria's character from Predator 2. It's like one of my favorite Predator characters. And maybe that played into it too. It was just yeah. like. No, it's Because you're right. Because like, the tension is so effective. Because Lowe is pathetic. Like there's never a single point in time in this whole movie where you think he's actually turning into a vampire. Like ever. No. At least I, I didn't feel that at any point. I mean, when he was buying $3 teeth, I was not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> he offered him 10, but it was too much, so we got the fake plastic ones. I 
I mean, yeah, that's the good dark comedy right there. <laughs> that was one of the few, yes. That or when he's doing other lines, which we'll get to, I'm sure, later. But, like, yeah, I, I think after hearing what you said, I think I feel less... Grossed out? I feel less grossed out about it. But, yeah. I mean, I, I messaged you afterwards, and I was... Uh-huh. Cause I, I usually get to him because I get him from the library, so I usually get to him sooner. Yeah. And I was just like, this wasn't it. Like, <laughs> the, 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 I remember is... you were like, trigger warning for everything. I was like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. And so, honestly, I think this is probably if people are interested in watching this movie, I think you just got two of the perspectives they can probably get. You can yeah. see it, like how you see it, which I think is really valid. Actually, the more I think about it, the more I think you're kind of spot on with how you saw it but i think i love cage i don't like seeing him as a bad guy like i think yeah if he was like the bad guy in in face off i probably wouldn't have liked it as much because like he Mm. is the bad guy but he's the good whatever yeah but i think when it comes to this just have to see him be so awful yeah sucks oh yeah no i get it i get it i just think he's such a dynamic performer and like here he i love it when he's unleashed i always do and god is he unleashed in this when he he, it's it was interesting to see those gifts in context i mean they're like they're actually kind of terrible moments in the movie in terms Mm -hmm. of like his treatment of people but I mean, I almost uh, was relieved that it wasn't so jokey jokey because I think of him as being so serious about his craft. Yeah. Um, to where that would be weirdly slapstick in a way that he has never, as far as I've seen so far, and that might change as we go through his, his um, filmography, but he never seems, even when he's doing comedy, like he takes it so seriously. Yeah. Like he's never a clown. And I think that if it was a little more jokey-jokey, like uh, Once Bitten or something like the Jim Carrey sort of yes. version mm-hmm. of this, like, I, I don't know that that would be true to the Nick Cage of it all. He's so and, totally earnest always. And I think that's a great transition into like the pros and cons of acting. Okay. So you liked his performance here. I mean, I think it is so challenging because it goes against every single thing that we are told is quote-unquote good acting that Mm -hmm. it's minimalist or naturalistic that it like harkens back to like a silent movie era style of acting um that it makes you wonder like what is good acting is it commitment is it making you feel like verisimilitude i don't I, i don't know that i know the answer but i i don't really have any drawbacks and because like he made choices that i think are interesting i agree that 100 percent. i didn't hate his performance if anything i'm actually excited for renfield because yes. if this was him like when he was kind of blossoming his career and risk yeah. he was willing to take yeah now that he is nick cage and he can be nick cage like I I'm very excited to see him play Dracula. And I think that mm. that's cool. I, I said, I think the, the hardest thing for me is just like, I just like cage. Like I, I like to like him. And yeah. so watching him be terrible throughout this whole thing at the end of the day, just like, it's just rough. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it was just rough. It is. Um, yeah. I thought all the women in this movie though, were like fantastic. Right. Yeah, yep. like 
every single one had a different role to play and very different characters to play. And mm-hmm. I thought they killed it like across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought they were all excellent. For me, the standout was Maria Conchita Alonso, though. She was her vacillating between being terrified and appeasing was so familiar. Was, yeah, I think that's part of it, too. It's like, like you just said, she played that. Her role yeah. felt so real and God, it was hard. The accommodation that she does as survival tactic is something that is that I think we talk a lot more about now than we would have yes. been. But yeah. like that shit resonates because we've literally all done it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yes, yes. You know, mm-hmm. because you want to extract yourself from a dangerous situation. And in this case, yeah. it really was a dangerous situation for her. So yeah. it's really well done. It's really well done. I thought the psychiatrist was great too and that did a mm-hmm. bunch of different ups and downs <laughs> like it was like very weird and all over the place but it was great and like i said i thought jennifer Beals was like a perfect vampire faux vampire yeah. lady femme of the night seductress femme yeah. fatale yeah just mm-hmm. i don't know I, th- I thought she was like perfect like i, I mean- bought into that like a hundred percent like, I know that we talked about, like, the, that there are roots of misogyny in this. But for mm-hmm. despite that, I do actually feel like the way that the women are written in this, like, his behavior is misogynistic and his yes. attitudes and, like, the horrifying boardroom scene, which uh, it exposes a lot of the, like, boys club misogyny. But the women themselves are actually pretty well written in uh, in that they are very different from one another mm-hmm. that they have internal life and uh like they exist as having more than one characteristic like maria conchita alonso is not just secretary the girlfriend yeah. is not just girlfriend i mean probably the least deeply written is jennifer beals but she has a certain kind of gravitas and power to her that could be performance could be on the page but i do think that the women themselves are written well yeah i agree and, and, and the therapist the, yeah and you made the comparison american psycho and that was something that was even even though that was directed by a woman that was something that was missing in that is that the women who were in that movie were so nothing i mean they were parodies as well yeah yeah, yeah. And, whereas this one is i don't think really is yeah I agree with that. Okay. Anything else in acting? Mm-mm. Directing. All right. What did you think of the... Do you want me to start? I'm trying to think of what I... I mean, I think that it's very clear that the director gave him a lot of room to play. And I yes. appreciate that. I also... Um, think he really captured a very particular time in New York. The grittiness of it. The Reminded sort of... of big. A little bit. It, I mean, yeah. it reminded me of more like 70s. But I mean, this is just the 80s, right? But mm-hmm. it's the end of the 80s. But like those sort of like 70s grimy urban cowboy era films. Yeah. Which makes sense if he's like a creature of the night moving through that world. I loved all of the nightclub stuff. I thought those scenes were really well well shot and like really kind of captured that feeling that you had. in a partic- I had at a particular time in my life where I was like going to those kinds of clubs yeah. every weekend. Um yeah, I, I mean, I th- I feel like it's a it's well directed. There are some weird things with the bat, but I don't know if yes. that's in this section. The bat is a little bit awkward, but you know what? I'll allow it. 
<laughs> How I you? second everything you said. I mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was a script or the performances, but I also want to give him credit for allowing these women to like bring these characters to life in such different ways because I think that he does and he captures a lot of about them on the screen. The only hangup I had was again like later on. I don't necessarily like the Gonzo in response to like homeless people. Like I feel like that. Like Feels if you were to, yeah, like if you do that to like businessmen on Wall Street, like that's one thing. But like I don't know that that was kind of icky to me. But remind me, I have a fun fact about this movie at the end. Do not okay. let me forget. It is. Do, very do you want to share it now? No, no, no. We can we can get through this. I'll tell you at the okay. end. <laughs> okay, I'll make a note. Uh, and then what? Anything else? Like I said, it, it was. I think you said everything. Yeah. I mean, I think it was well directed. I, I mean, I don't know if editing falls into it. I do think it needed. It could have had um, probably ten minutes excised from the runtime. Uh, there is points where in the middle it gets a little baggy and, and repetitive in terms of like he's not really progressing with his mental illness. Um, I don't know if that's more story though. I might be getting ahead of myself. Oh, it's, it's our show. We do. Can... We do what we want, okay? We can do whatever we want. We do what we want. Yeah, I just... I, I think also, like, if I'm looking at the movies of Cage that we've seen and we haven't seen, like, this is separate from, like, the Cage performance of it all. Like, I don't know if I would go back to this, especially, fingers crossed, if Renfield ends up being what I'm hoping it will be. I mean, I've seen the early reviews. Oh, I, I haven't. Okay. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm not gonna say any- I'm trying to poker face like okay. I, I but I can tell <laughs> you if if their like vibe is good or bad if you want to know that where's the thumb at oh okay 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 good good that makes me happy so cage lines um I do have two okay okay I'm um, frantically me... looking for one right, right now <laughs> okay uh actually I have uh I have four I think I have four okay let's hear them I'll get my longest one first. Alva, there is no one else in this entire office that I could possibly ask to share such a horrible job. You're the lowest on the totem pole here, Alva. The lowest. Do you realize that? Every other secretary here has been here longer than you, Alva. Every one. And even if there was someone here who was here even one day longer than you, I still wouldn't ask that person to partake in such a miserable job as long as you were around. That's right, Alva. It's a horrible, horrible job. Sitting through old contract after old contract, I couldn't think of a more horrible job I wanted to. And you have to do it. You have to or I'll fire you. Do you understand? Do you? Good. <laughs> oh, Peter, you're such a prick. Uh, there's the time where he is pouting and he goes, I never found anything. Not once. Not one time. <laughs> and then we have... I love... That's the ABC scene, right? <laughs> yeah. I, that's my final one is the alphabet. <laughs> and then uh the one before that is uh am i getting through to you alva <laughs> oh i'm trying to find one of the good ones there's so many good ones <laughs> this film definitely did not lack from boo hoo how about that <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> I, I i i do think that this was one where it was elevated like i think we got a lot of good lines, a lot of cagey performances, a lot of seeing mm-hmm. like 
what we would see in the 90s or in the 2000s or what what, what was to come from him when mm-hmm. given the ability to act. Um, and honestly, I, I kind of want to say thank you because I was bummed out. <laughs> oh, no. Because well, like, I, I like vampires. I was just I was just not having a good time. But I think looking at it, like how you kind of said it, mm-hmm. um, it makes it a little easier to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting at the very least. You don't have to like it, but I I do think you. There's no denying that it is it is a interesting film. <laughs> so now we have to place it. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be tricky. List. All right. Let me but, pull up the list. Before we place it, we have to put it into a category. Hmm. I need. I was trying to think of a word. Is there a word for like, like an etymologist, but for some like, like something that isn't word specifically? Like an entomologist, like a bug person? No, etymologist, like someone What's who studies eat? words, like etymology. I have never heard that word before. Oh, well. Well, there we go. Look at the education that's happening on here. <laughs> I got educated on some things that we'll be getting into the extended episode uh, too. So, you know, it goes around and goes around. Um, hmm. All right. I kind of have it. I feel like it could be better, but I have it. I would call this... Let's call this the Nick Cage for the Nick Cage scholar. And the reason I say that is because I feel like you can, there are branches of like of the Nick Cage oeuvre, right? Like there is Mm -hmm. various sort of versions we get of him um, as he explores different ideas and aspects in terms of being a thespian. Um, And this one is sort of like where it branches into the bizarre Nick Cage, the Mm -hmm. sort of fearless and strange. Like when we get to, between worlds like this is the progenitor of that right like Mm -hmm. if we were going to follow the fossil line this would be where it branched um so i would say this for someone who's very interested in exploring the the different kinds of cage performances this is an this is one that you need to watch because it begat an entire branch so for the nick cage scholar okay so for me i'm going to give you credit because i feel you really did kind of change my my outlook on this. So for me, this is for the the Nick Patrick Bateman Bateman Cage fan. Oh, interesting. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. perfect. So we have to place it. And, and the kind of big criteria that we have been using and to stick with is the cage performance. Right. So where we're getting the most of the cage. Yeah. I think. I mean, I would put it up there and pretty high. So I think I'm going to just shoot for the moon here and you can bring me back to earth. I'm going to hit. I'm going to shoot for the I'm going to shoot for the stars and hit the moon. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I would put it. At number four. Wow. Okay. Um, I was going to put it at number seven. Okay. All right. All right. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's find so a to compromise. Place it, 
so to place it at four, it would have to go above Valley Girl. Yeah. Birdie. Yeah. Well, basically the big for in the, where I'm at, Valley Girl, Birdie, Family Man, and Between Worlds. Mm-hmm. No, Between Worlds would fall below it. So it's you're placing it three above where I would. So. Right. Because I feel like it has historical significance, and I feel like it is where we first see the cage, this brand of cage that would come. Yeah. Okay. And it is, there is not a single scene in this movie. Well, that's not true. There are very, very, very few scenes in this movie that are not focused on him. So pound for pound. All right. A lot of cage. So then I I think that's, I think that's good. And even though I love Family Man. Yeah. Like, I, I think that is more, is not like the cage performances that people think of. So yeah. if we're looking at that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're not ranking it based on if we like yeah. the movies we like the most, right? Like, what the, is, yeah. I think my hard part is putting it above Valley Girl because I really dug that. Well, I, I like will compromise it. with you. Why don't we put it at five? Okay, that's fair. I feel like I feel good. I feel good about four or five. I told you I I, I overreached because I wanted to make sure it was up there. <laughs> Strategy. <laughs> that was smart because yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> All right, so to review the Nick Cage rankings thus far on the show, starting at the bottom, it's yes. Cotton Club, The Boy in Blue, The Best of Times, Prisoners of the Ghostland, Racing with the Moon, Between Worlds, The Family Man, Birdie, Vampire's Kiss, Valley Girl, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and then two that we feel will be in the final Mount Rushmore of performances, yes. uh, The Rock. Yeah. And pig. Yep. Yep. I still stand by that. I still, still pig I, I, was one of those pleasant surprises. I guess the question is, do we think there's another like cuckoo craze, like a cage that could beat vampires kiss for the Mount Rushmore? Mandy. Mandy will be up there. I imagine. Um, you haven't seen Mandy yet. Have you? Hmm. Uh, i'm excited so actually it is kooky though it's a little bit it's it's a little bit of a hybrid of the two nick cages this might be his most mental really maybe i mean why don't we like we can revisit when it's time for the for the mount rushmore i think right okay yes this is i feel like this can we put this as like mount rushmore contender we like yeah caveat it I think we put stars beside those two because we felt like yeah they were going to be hard ones. Like that's why three and four don't have it, right? Is because we yeah. thought that those would be like hard ones to surplus. Like yeah, yeah. So, so but yeah. I th- I feel like let's just like write a note. Like maybe we'll revisit this because like I think the Mount Rushmore can't just be the five we like the most. Like they have to be representative of him as an artist, and so one of them has to be Crazy Cage. Like it could be the Wicker Man. But I think yeah, like each kids. of the four heads, one could be the best performance, the most craziest yes. performance, most iconic performance. We can we can sit around and discuss that. Yes, like we said, it's America. We do what we want. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, then that is our review of the Vampire's Kiss. We'll then yes. head on in to the closing.
So, Rachel, do me yes. to tell you what your next few months of the Cage podcast are unless we move things around. Yeah, of course. I love it. Let's do it. So, I mean, I know what we're doing next, but I guess I don't know what's next. after that. In, in May, we're doing Renfield. Yes. In June, we're doing Peggy Sue Got Married. Awesome. In July, we're doing Raising Arizona. Ooh, okay. Classic. We're doing Moonstruck in August. Yes. So I think this might be one we bounce because his role is man in red sports car. It's never on a Tuesday. Uh-huh. So that might be one of the ones where we decide like his role isn't big enough to justify watching a movie. It's also my, it's also my birthday month. Well, <laughs> what would you want to put there? I don't know. I'm going to have to look at the full thing and pick something. Okay. We, we can, I'll, I'll make a note to talk about that. Then we have Time to Kill in October. Mm-hmm. Which that would probably one we might change to try to find a horror movie. Yeah, what was time? I'm trying to remember which one Time to Kill was. Like I just, I just keep thinking of the Matthew McConaughey movie. Time Rachel, to kill. it is a what? 1989 Italian drama film starring Cage and Italian actors. <laughs> but uh, oh, that's gonna be great. The film is set in 1936 when Ooh. Ethiopia was under Italian invasion. Oh. Hmm. I'm really hungry, and that just made me think about how delicious Ethiopian food is. Have you uh, had Ethiopian food? I don't think so. Okay, well, we're definitely getting it when you come here. Because it's my favorite, and you need to try it. It doesn't <laughs> have then, any weird stuff in it, I promise. I trust you. And then we have uh, Wild at Heart. Okay, excellent. That's the Lynch. And Firebirds. Don't know that one at all, but I, I'm guessing, is it like a war movie? I can tell you because I actually embedded links on the sheet. Look it, at you! I know, I'm fancy. It's a four. The, the poster is the best just got better, and it's four helicopters flying off into the out of the sun. In 1990, American action movie directed by David Green. Um, the storyline, uh, it's like a, a simple plot. Cage is cast a helicopter pilot attempting to help dismantle a drug cartel in South America. All right. It's a co-production into, are we Disney finally getting custom. into his action era? I think that might be the beginning of the action era. Yeah. We haven't had an action movie that wasn't cutting in line yet. Yeah, you're right. If you want to, we could do Never on a Tuesday. It does not look like Cage is the guy. He is fourth on this list. Mm. But I Let's do a research and figure it out. Yeah. Do you want to hear the cast? Yeah, I want to hear the cast. Claudia Christian, Andrew Lauer, Peter Berg, Cage, okay, Carrie Yules, okay. Emilio Estevez, Ooh. Judd Nelson, hey. Carly Sheen. Whoa. Gilbert, Whoa. Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to watch that. That's, <laughs> we're obviously that gonna sounds watch that. off the rails. Yeah, we're definitely, definitely going to watch that. That's a done deal. <laughs> okay. All right, awesome. Well, I'm excited about Renfield. That is like... I am pumped for Renfield. My body is ready. Are we going to try the giving our reaction when we come out of the theater? Yeah, again? I thought I thought that. I was also going to broach the idea of like maybe recording closer to when we go see it so yeah. that we could drop it like early May. And by the way, for listeners uh, who obviously are listening and not watching uh rachel's calendar is what your elementary school teacher had when she Don't was planning you dare judge me <laughs> oh, 
Yay, I'm excited. We're going to get oh. our Renfield on. Excellent. All right. That was I'll wrap this up. Everyone, thanks for yes. hanging out with us. Wait, we have an email. We do? We do. Ready. We do. Yeah, yes, we do. Yes, we freaking do. That's why do. I put the notes there. That's why yes. I keep my notes there. <laughs> See, you're so smart. You guys are so smart. Oh. No, that's, that, that, that is just uh, science and meticulous note taking because you know you'll forget something eventually. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. <laughs> um, because there was a time I used to be able to remember things and <laughs> know things. All right. So we have a listener uh, or an email from a listener who is also a good friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a frequent contributor on our Discord. He, We are so excited. We're going to get to meet him IRL this year. Like, excited. He is my stuff. favorite critic and my favorite yeah. person to play trivia against as well. Yeah, I mean, he will keep it real. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> if he doesn't like an episode, he's going to let you know. And you know what? Listen. Like, I appreciate is it. Is that great for my ego? No. Is it better <laughs> for the show? Yes. Yes. Like it, like, it never comes from a bad place. It's constructive. I um, love it. Me too. All right. So, our dear, dear friend, Eddie, writes, Greetings, Rachel and Larry. I'm writing about this month's choice for the unnamed... Nick Cage show Between Worlds, a fascinatingly horny foray into the line between life and death, which made me want to die and cross over so I wouldn't have to watch anymore. (laughs) 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 Oh, sorry, Larry. We are, Eddie, we gave you a good review. Uh, What do you have when all the press for the film is how... (laughs) unpredictable Nick Cage is and it is all coming from the writer-director. No actor interviews, no Nick Cage interviews, just the writer-director doing her job and hustling to get her movie seen. What does that tell us about the film? Naturally, in those interviews, director Maria Pulera was as nice as can be. She got Nick Cage in her sophomore effort and did not want to ruffle any feathers. So, something slipped out, though, in those interviews from the Movable Feast website. Uh, interview. I understand Nicolas Cage can be quite unpredictable in set, which is something you want. Uh, is it difficult to get everyone on the same page when making the same movie? This is the question from the interview. This uh-huh. is Maria responding. I'm very much for that spontaneity and catching that energy because to me, you get a very visceral performance from the actor and that is the magic. It is very true and I feel that not having a rehearsed and a very stick to the script style allowed me to get that performance from the actors. So I thrive on that and I found Nicolas Cage to be very inspiring and I love that unpredictability. And it was up to the other actors to uh, who had to keep up and keep it on kilter so that the film would stay on the rails. I took a lot of risks and I loved it. And throughout the movie, my producer's going, Maria, what are you doing? What is going on here? And I'm like, trust me, it's all under control, she says with a laugh. How much gravitas does a young filmmaker have when a powerhouse actor comes on board? Cage always makes a choice in his performances. That's interesting. So we were talking about that tonight. Mm -hmm. Sometimes right, sometimes wrong. In this film, in reading the interviews, you just have to change your perspective a bit and understand that the comedy is just around the corner. Like when Joe and Julie have sex. Joe is all, you want to have sex? It's been a while. I don't know if I can remember how. Followed immediately by him showing us he cannot remember (laughs) how. (laughs) 
or later in the film when he's reading out of his memory book while banging young Billy, Julie's daughter's body possessed by Joe's deceased wife for the banging seventh young time Billy. in the film. That's a hell of a line, banging young Billy. <sighs> in fact, in an interview with the website Nightmares Conjurings, Maria Pulera says they got uh the story got built up during pre-production and we ended up adding eight different sex scenes to build up the suspense however they're not traditional they really are used to create tension of the story it's the evolution compared to how we had it on paper and i loved that organic process so i guess another question is how much pull does a young director have with the producers to hold an idea together now we might say yeah but she's not complaining but but the nature of these relationships usually is she can't complain there is such a difference in power when you are young and in the industry and a director is not on the higher side this for me this film for me was a hot mess even (laughs) though the idea is solid enough i like the david lynch uh, like opening credits reminding me of Twin Peaks I'm never ashamed to watch Nick Cage with whatever choices he makes I think he and the film some, uh, summed up wonder- was summed up wonderfully at RogerEbert.com by Simon Abrams to make matters even more perplexing Between Worlds also feels like a dark piece of Nicolas Cage fan fiction only it stars Nicolas Cage Take, for example, the early scene where Joe warns Julie that she has to let Billy make her own choices. She's a kid, Joe says. You have to make stupid mistakes when you're young, Joe says. <laughs> then Cage adds with a knowing smile on his face. Otherwise, you won't regret anything when you're old. <laughs> Julie understandably tells Cage's character that that sounds terrible, like one of those <laughs> inspiration cat posters. Then Cage shrugs his shoulders with faux innocence and delivers the routines grown worthy on multiple ca- levels punchline. That's how I always get off. Get, that's how I always let myself off the hook. The camera stays on Cage for a couple seconds longer, even as Julie starts to respond. That extra couple of seconds is like the visual equivalent of being nudged in the ribs and told rather than asked, do you get it? Well, do you? <laughs> Thanks for the show. I love you guys, Eddie. <laughs> and, and he sent this, I think, before episode came out, and it, he said he liked how we broke it down. Yeah, I mean... It's always subjective. Everybody's not going to agree, and that's okay. I just think, I think if this movie were as exactly as it is, but with another actor, I would probably feel very differently about it. Yeah. But there is a charisma and a just a gonzo quality to everything that Nick Cage does that, like, it's part you. It's the cost of admission, right? Like, this is what mm-hmm. you're going for. That's like being mad that there's a drop on a roller coaster. Like, this yeah. is what we're paying with our yes. time and our monies, you know, um, is to have the Nick Cage experience. And that movie gave me the Nick Cage experience. Are all of his criticisms valid? Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Is there probably some power dynamic stuff that maybe I didn't really pick up on when I read these interviews? I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah. those are valid concerns. And probably she did kind of get pulled all over the place by Nick Cage. He seems like a force of nature. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's that's very thought provoking. So thank you, Eddie. Uh, if anybody else wants to send in an email, you can send it to Nick Cage at zombiegirls.com. And before we head to the Patreon section, Rachel, you promised us a fun fact. Okay, so this is the one thing I knew about this movie is that I knew that there were some like 
like sex scenes in it because I knew this one fun fact about the movie. Apparently we all know Nick Cage is a little bit method um, and he required like he'll listen to music or different things to like really get him in the right headspace. So for the sex scenes, he had a special request. And if you watch them, you will notice that out of frame at all times during the sex scenes are his feet because he required the application of hot yogurt poured on them to get him in the mood for the sex scenes in this movie. You're welcome. I have nothing to add. <laughs> I would, see, this is why we should actually be doing the, putting these out as videos. And I didn't record the video this time, but moving forward, maybe I will. We could, just for patrons. Yeah, we could throw it up that way. Because like an, an, your an face version. was classic. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't have words. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> we'll see you next. We'll see you next week with another vampire movie. Bye. Bye, everybody. I told this a fun fact. I feel like that was that fun. was crazy. That's real. Okay, Rachel. Yes, Larold. Last week's four things. Yes, let's you talk want to go about first, them. or do you want to go first? Um, I feel like there's more there there for you with the wrestling, so I don't know what you prefer. Let's do what I owed you. Okay. I was Mission Impossible three and Ghost Protocol. Yes. yes. Um. Yes. 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 Mission Impossible three. Yes was astounding i know it's so good i think it's a step below the first one and i think the reason like obviously the first one's always like hard to kind of surpass mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i think not knowing what i was getting when i watched the first one everything yeah really set me up for a really wonderful time and i love the espionage and all that of it too three yes. was great um mainly because we get ethan hunt back to kind of being what we knew him before yes a terrible fanfic is over uh-huh and just one hell of a villainous performance from philip seymour oh, hoffman so he's so good he's so good and is the this mo- the first time we get ving rames or did he was he introduced in two he's been in every remember. single one. Oh, was he in the first one too mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been years so i clearly need to revisit the first one because i skipped straight to three. Oh like, yeah because I, I was afraid because they killed my boy emilio and, I was, and they brought in ving and i was like god damn it <laughs> that was like <laughs> i felt I was, bad but i laughed because you were like my boy emilio's here and like coach bombay you're like oh man i was like he can't he can't survive young guns now you can't survive this just no by the way club. he survives breakfast club yeah Ooh. actually i'm gonna edit my four sittings for that okay uh oh god <laughs> yes so then ghost protocol yes um i liked it the stunts in that were incredible yes and i i liked the kind of mystique amongst the characters mm-hmm I was missing a villain 
And I'm, I yeah. kind of messaged you about, we talked about that a little bit. And I think that's something I need to like let go of because apparently yes. that's not a big thing. It's um, not. I mean, uh, there are other villains and like there are some some things, but like Phil, Philip Seymour Hoffman is the peak. Yeah. So just like it will not reach that height again. There's still other good villains though, but. Yeah. And I, I think I was kind of like waiting for someone like a big turn because we've had that before, right? Where some of these like right. side characters build up like turn into being bad. Right. And so when Renner came in, when he started getting like the mysterious thing about him, like I was ready for him to be like the foil. And obviously we found out yeah. what his story was. Um, so I think that's kind of like my own expectations or like not knowing yeah. that I was, because like we just came from three and I'm a, I love a villain. I think, I mean, Batman's only great because Joker is great. Like, I mean, you have to have those, those foils. Yeah. So, um, but I liked it. I mean, it, like I said, it wasn't like it was bad. It was just wasn't, I think, expecting a villainous performance kind of mm-hmm. had me questioning it. Um, so my current rankings in our one, three, Ghost Protocol, line, 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 two. <laughs> that is not going to change. Yeah. <laughs> that position will stay exactly where it is. It is by far the nadir of the series. So, yeah, yeah. just... Mm-hmm. You're done though. You're past the, like everything yeah. else is great. Everything I'm else having is a great, great time. Like, like it's it's not. I want to be that very clear. It's not that I'm not enjoying myself. I really am. It was. Yeah. And I think that happens. Like for people, I think you kind of go like even you like for a Vampire's Kiss, yeah. or you go to the Vampire's yeah. Kiss, right? And you like you expect what you kind of know from like the vampire genre, yeah, or comedy genre, and then you get something that wasn't that, and it's hard to like replant. Yeah. Well, you'll have a little bit of break between the... um...